reading from the book of Deuteronomy. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a, ha- in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning. My name is Paul. I am the senior pastor here, and I am so excited to see your faces and welcome you today. Today, we're going to do something a little different, a little unique, and I would just invite you to have an open posture and look for one thing, one thing you can take away from the next few minutes. We'll get back to our regular uh, sermon and preaching schedule next week. But today's going to be a little unique before we dive into this panel that was pre-recorded because we have outside panelists from other cities. Um, why don't you bow your heads with me as I share one more brief word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus name. Amen. Well, One Fellowship uh, family and friends, today we're going to be doing something a little different. Today we're going to have a One Fellowship panel. Now, given that today is Father's Day, we will be naturally focusing on fatherhood. But in addition to fatherhood, we're going to be focusing also on what it means to be a man after God's heart, a child of the Lord, and just a follower of Jesus. So whether you're a father or not, we believe today can and should touch your heart. And so it's our hope today that as these men share their stories, you'll be able to connect with their stories in the hopes and the hardships that they carry. And in fact, uh, as we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, these words will come to life for you. Paul wrote, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the suffering, sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. 
Thus, we're called to share our gospel stories and our gospel lives with one another. And today, it's my joy to welcome these three panelists. First, let me introduce Dave Roney. Dave is the pastor of Creative Arts at 12 Stone Church in Atlanta, one of the largest churches in Atlanta. But he is also the father of our own beloved director of worship, Taylor Roney. And it's also my joy to introduce two of our One Fellowship members, Jonathan Huang, give a wave, yeah, and Frederick Hewitt. So men, let's begin our time together with this question. It's Father's Day. What feelings does this day evoke for you? Frederick, let's start with you. What feelings does today evoke for you? Well, I have to say, I had always thought of it as, uh, as some call it a Hallmark holiday until I had my own first Father's Day. And I have to tell you that being wished a happy Father's Day for the first time was just a, a joy because it really um, made me realize how grateful I was to be a dad. Great. And how about you, Jonathan? I'd say it makes me feel introspective. Um, kind of makes you undertake a uh, kind of self-evaluation almost like how, how have I been as a father? How faithful have I been at imaging forth the heart of God to my kids, to my wife, um, kind of makes me think, you know, uh, evaluatively. Wow. That's good. And how about you, Dave? Uh, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was just grateful. Uh, I didn't really have a great dad growing up, so I wasn't sure how I'd be, uh, how that would go. I was pretty nervous about it. And, uh, you know, my kids are older now and, uh, they're all married out of the house, employed, uh, pursuing passions and, uh, clothed and in their right minds. And, you know, in this culture, that's no small thing. So I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that we enjoy all the family and relationships we have and, and that the Holy Spirit, uh, did his work in me. I mean, he allowed me the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness that I just, I didn't possess early on as a, as a dad. And it just got a little better each year. Mm, that's great. All right. For our next question, who has been the biggest influence on you as a father or as a man? And what did you learn from him or her? Frederick? Well, I have to tell you, I, I had some uh, feelings or concerns about inadequacy as being a husband, about becoming a father. Would I be, uh, would I be up to the challenge? I certainly was excited about becoming both a husband and a father, but uh, just didn't know how it would go. And I have to say that my wife, Nancy, has been probably the most influential in terms of affirming me in both of those roles. Um, and has just really built me up. She has, she's verbally affirmed that I, um, have what it takes and, and I can't say enough about what that means to hear it from, from my wife. But, um, yeah, so I'd say, I'd say Nancy. Great. She's been intentional about it. How about you, Jonathan? Thanks. Yeah. I'd say, um, I'd say my own dad. Um, he, 
really taught me how to view all things through a theological lens and a Christian worldview. So, you know, he was the one who was always ready to discuss things theologically and very patiently over many years, lovingly uh, confronted my own philosophical positions with theological um, evaluations. And, uh, you know, ultimately culminating in a spiritual intellectual crisis which led me to, you know, the Lord. Um, and I strive to um, kind of have that same readiness and the same openness to um, uh, kind of discussing those things with my own kids. And, uh, you know, that, uh, emulating that kind of leadership to me is very important because it was important to my own spiritual walk. And, um, you know, already I'm having conversations with my own kids about these things. So that kind of um, loving uh, leadership in the realm of theology was really important to me, and I can thank my dad for that. Wow. How about you, Dave? Who's been the biggest influence on you as a man or as a father? Uh, you know, I, I referenced the Holy Spirit earlier, not to get overly spiritual, but it, it, I, I mean, I just can't downplay what what a difference that had made over the years. I, I, I can really relate to Frederick. I just, I had a lot of insecurity uh, I had my own issues and, and God wasn't finished with me. And so in my mid twenties, when I came to Christ, uh, and, and, uh, began that growth, uh, that's some, some, somebody that I've been able to, to go to frequently every, you know, daily to, to filter things with then. And, and that, that's just been gigantic. But typically then as we've moved across the country, you know, to come down here to Georgia and, you know, you uproot some relationships, but there's always been people who are just ahead of me. They're just that, the stage of parenting ahead of me. And so that combination of, you know, sort of filtering with how I see what God would have me do and what I need to work on and then watching other people and, and discussing with them the things that they're learning with kids who are in the next stage uh, I found to be, you know, very helpful. A good friend here in uh, Atlanta, uh, Chris Huff, had kids that were just in a phase ahead of us. And man, it just, it made a huge difference to be able to go to him as another godly man and and to filter, you know, what was coming and what I was going through. And, and of course, he'd walked in those shoes already. And uh, so, you know, that that's probably there's been several that have had huge influence that are just great mentors in that way. That's amazing. So we actually just heard three different answers. We've heard, you know, the spirit and even those men who've gone ahead of you. Um, you heard actually a biological father and the impact he can make. And we also heard the impact of a spouse. That's really nice. Well, let's turn the question on its head. What's been one of your greatest struggles as a man or as a father. So we'll go back to you, Dave. Uh, you know, it's hard to believe, although my, you know, the color of my hair, mine used to be more Taylor's color, actually. Uh, wow. So he's, he's got this to look forward to when he's 60. Um, but I, you know, to look 30 years down the line and to see something like that is just so far out in the future. And that's just legacy. You know, we should be living for a legacy to pass on to our kids, but that feels so gigantic. And it's why I've always loved the Deuteronomy six passage. Cause it's more of a, I, I call it a legacy. It's sort of like every day, here's what you do to achieve your family's legacy. So as you walk, as you sit, as you do meals, as you do these things. Uh, and I found that, 
for me, the biggest struggle was just coming home, being fully present and, and really locking into what it is I, as a dad should be doing, uh, you know, regardless of career, regardless of work, regardless of pressures, uh, to focus down on those things that I am passing along to my kids from the way that they think to their theology, to all those things, those things are, were, they were, they were best broken down day by day. And so the struggle in that is just to come home and to be fully present. So you're even aware or thinking about doing something like that, uh, in the midst of those things. So I tried to, you know, limit, you know, phone calls in the evening while we're eating dinner and all those things. But you know how that goes, man. Life is, is hard to balance. And so just balancing mm-hmm. being fully present and, and fully intentional uh, was that was challenging and, you know, uh, still is. That's that's good. I, and I love that term you you coined. That, <laughs> it's, a little che- it's a little cheesy. I will remember it. A dacacy day by day. Every day. Wow. All right, Jonathan, how about you? A struggle as a man or as a, as a dad? Yeah, I'd say that that intentional presence is uh, it's been a challenge also. I and mean, just it's the, the press of life and how busy things are and how full life can get. Um, and I think in the midst of all of that, Patience, patience and, um, you know, grace, especially with high expectations, has been a challenge for me. Um, I think that, um, you know, I don't, I don't think I understood um, how to relate to God as a father or the depths of his patience and love for me as a father to his son until I had my own kids. And I think relating to God as a, as a king or as Lord um, was easier um, than as, as father. Um, but now that I have my own kids, it kind of opens a window a little bit and, and gives some additional insight that, that can only come with that kind of experience, at least for me. And so as I muddle through, you know, the fatherhood and, and trying to raise my, my children, um, it, as I struggle with patience, I need to remember that, you know, God's sovereignty and his, you know, redemption of even my mistakes, right? It's like he, the way I look at my kids, he looks at me that way, right? It's like there's this unconditional love um, and discipline and grace. And I need to exhibit that same kind of patience that he has for me, you know, to my own kids. And uh, so it's, it's, you know, for me, it can be a challenge. That's good. Yeah, the need for grace. Kids are a constant reminder. Yeah. That they not only need it, but we need it. Um, I've noticed that. How about you, Frederick? Yeah, patience for me too, and, and humility. Those have been the biggest struggles. I, I tell people I was always told I was a patient person, and uh, and then when I had kids, that all bets were off. I, I just uh, I found the need for uh, God's grace in, in helping me be patient. And I, I think that, um, you know, as I said earlier, I didn't have any expectations of being some kind of stellar father, but somehow I thought because Nancy and I were older when we started having kids and because we were both the angels in our respective households growing up that we would have kids who were just angelic and um, we were wrong. So uh, yeah, patience has been uh, a a true test for me, continues to be a struggle. And meanwhile, everyone in the church is just shaking their their head at this going like James and Mary Ford are our angels. So um, in Sunday school, they are. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, so as we uh, think of biblical stories of men, uh, with whom do you relate to the most and why? We'll go back to you, Frederick. 
Well, I'd love to uh, be able to say someone like Abraham, who who was so obedient. Uh, but the truth is, I think I'm more like Peter. I keep um, thinking, you know, I, I stick my foot in my mouth around the house a lot and, and regret what I say, regret what I do. Um, and so, again, thankful for grace there. But I'd have to say Peter. Hmm. Dave, how about you? Man, that's a, that's a hard one to pick one. I mean, I, I see so many pieces that I can take with me from each of these guys that I can really relate to from Abraham to David to Job to Isaac, you know, to Joseph, uh, you know, all these things. It's, there's so many. I'd, I'd have a hard time picking like one that I really feel like encapsulates, you know, me. Uh, but I, I just look back and I just think it's, uh, I've probably picked up little bits and pieces and really appreciated the dilemmas and the struggles and the things and the faith and the, uh, the, the vision that for, for their families that these people had and, uh, the way that they, they, they fought with an obedience to God to, to get there. So I pray, I don't have one. All right. How about you, Jonathan? Yeah, I think um, I'd say Paul. Um, I think Paul, to me, really um, kind of demonstrates how theology and doctrine is essential to Christian life, how, um, you know, reason can confirm what faith reveals, and really, you know, fundamentally how a commitment to King Jesus demands an entire paradigm shift of your entire life. And um, I just really appreciate the way that he approaches you know, <laughs> scripture and teaching and, and communicating, you know, uh, truth. So, mm. I'll take this question. Let me dive in and it'll, I'll combine it with the last question, the struggle. Um, I didn't prepare to take this question, but I can relate to Joshua feeling a mantle of leadership being passed to me and at times being scared out of my mind yeah. to what that might yeah. mean. You know, and I think of Joshua 1, and God says over and over again, do not be afraid, for I will go with you. And he says it over and over. And so what I have found to combat the pressure that I feel sometimes, and I think a lot of men feel, to provide and almost be a perfect role model is just leaning into God's presence and his grace, like right now. Not the idea of it, but like, the prayerful posture that God, you promised to be with me through thick and thin. And if that's good enough for your word, it's good enough for me. So there's my answer. All right. If you were to talk to a younger you, what would you say to him? Dave? Uh, stay in the grind uh, and enjoy it. Uh, you know, you always hear these folks that, have their kids are older you just go man it goes so fast but when you're you know when you've got those toddlers running around the house or preschool kids or elementary school kids time seems to go by like in you know dog years you know just as every day feels like seven years so that that being present i'd, I'd go back to that and just say it just i I'd, I'd even encourage myself to look for ways to to stay even more present uh you know uh, and then really fight to understand the different personalities of each of your kids. Uh, they're, they're all unique. They're all different. God's wired them all differently and beautifully. 
but you don't necessarily parent the same with every kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Taylor, for instance, uh, I always said if I can get him raised and clothed in his right mind, uh, he will be the jewel in my parenting crown. So you guys are the, you know, you can thank me later, I guess. I don't know. Uh, you are the recipient of, uh, of really what is great parent. You know, uh, you know, I look at it as a, a win uh, in that, you know, and uh, those things uh, understand the different personalities of your kid because they are all different. Mm, that's good. All right, John, how about you? I would tell myself to express gratitude to my own parents more often. Um, I think my, as my experience in, in being a father increases and as I continue to observe you know, the hard work that Melissa is doing as a mother and she's staying home with you know, my three kids, you know, it continually reminds me of the you know, really thankless sacrifices that my, my own parents made you know, when I was a kid. And I think in retrospect, I see more clearly. I, I knew it in some level, at some level, but you know, in retrospect, um, the blessing that it was to have my mom, you know, stay home, right, with, with my brothers and me, you know, the amount of work she put in and, and um, just kind of, um, you know, making that choice and the choices that my dad made, you know, that those were hard decisions, you know, hard, it was hard work. And, um, you know, I see that now as a father and, you know, as I see Melissa and her work and I just, I, and I thank them now, right, um, and I thank them now, but I wish I had thanked them back then too. Um, and I think there was, you know, deep commitments made for my own formation and my own benefit that I didn't see at the time mm-hmm. that now that I have my own kids, I said, Oh, you know, now I see, um, and I see how hard it must've been. So I, I wish that I, I could have told my younger self to, um, to express more gratitude. Um, That's good. How about you, Frederick? I would say, uh, to, to know scripture, spend more time in scripture and write it on my heart um, for such a time as this, um, just to be a reminder to myself of, of God's promises and, um, and how to lead and, and how to guide my children. That's good. That will segue into the next question. In view of Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9, what is one resource or practice? Just one. There's probably many but just one resource or practice that you have found helpful as a parent. And we'll start with you, Dave. Well, it's interesting that that's where you guys are for the day. Cause that is our, as Debbie and I began to really sort of solidify what our parenting idea or style would be. Uh, that's really what, where we went that, 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 that Deuteronomy uh, six, the one to nine is just, is just gold. I, it is absolutely one of the best ways uh, to go about that. So when I look at that, and I just think to myself, uh, what what can I do that's incredibly practical and helpful? It's and this helps with the being fully present that I was talking about before. Uh, you know, when I know in the morning that I'm going to take a few moments, we're going to pray before they leave. They're going to gather together. You know, we had kids that were pretty separated in age, so the traditional sort of family devotions was really difficult because of the, the age differences. And so we took advantage of those morning times and those, those afternoons. I'd often, 
you know, head out and hang out with them in, in the afternoons and take them to coffee and hang out with them as they got older. And, uh, you know, as you're going to bed, you're sitting and you're listening and you're being present. So to me, it's just one of those things that's, uh, I, I, I look for as many ways physically possible to take a look at Deuteronomy six and ask in my gifting and in my ability, how can I apply this? Mm, just very practically. How do I put skin on the bones? Yep. That's good. All right. How about you, Frederick? Uh, I would say a resource, and this is probably no surprise to a lot of the young families in our church, but the Jesus Storybook Bible has been phenomenal. Um, it, not just a good way to teach the stories of the Bible to our children, but uh, to illustrate how every story from Old Testament to New points back to Jesus, uh, to God's grand plan from the beginning. And, um, and so it's been eye-opening for me as an adult, really, to read that Bible to my children or that storybook um, to help me understand the scriptures. Yes, I endorse that. All right, Jonathan, how about you? We try to sing hymns together as a family almost every night before bed. Um, we found that they're a really great way to establish how the rhythm of worship, um, you know, in our family's life. They, um, they, you know, they help our kids because they're, they're poetic, they're, they're songs, they learn them, right? So I hear them singing hymns to themselves throughout the day, you know, which is a great joy. And, uh, you know, they're learning these, these hymns, which are, which allow them to connect to Christians, you know, across time and across cultures. Um, but, you know, the right hymns are theologically rich and they've led to actually, you know, quite a few, you know, questions and discussions about the theological principles contained in the verses. And so, they're kind of, um, you know, kind of a poetic catechesis that is designed to be sung together. And it's really been a special time for our family. Um, mm. And yeah, so it's been really, really great. We have a set of hymnals that we sing from. Yeah, so any specific hymnal come to mind? Uh, we, we use uh, the hymns for the Living Church. Uh, that's what you know, we did growing up in you know, my family, but we have the Trinity hymnal and we have a few others. So it's... Um, yeah, it's, it's been really special. Fantastic. Well, I'll answer this one as well. Um, the, the greatest resource or help um, that I have found is the local church. Um, I love, in the Mother's Day panel, we had a, a woman, a writer from um, New England, say that that was one of her greatest resources and how it, it broadened her imagination of what it meant to be part of the family of God, to be raised in the local church, and I can just, not only wearing the hat of the senior pastor here, but actually even on this call, just this last weekend or the last week, Jonathan Huang is discipling our oldest, Caden. And we're really grateful for that. He actually um, took the youth group, the juniors and seniors through a four-week worldview class. And then a couple of those students asked to continue to meet with Jonathan once a week. In addition to that, um, one or two of our other kids then... Uh, served on Sunday with Frederick's wife uh, in our kids' area. And so they get to see the Hewitts in action serving the Lord. And I love that I don't have to do this parenting thing alone. I love, I just love it. And I love the exposure, the modeling, the wisdom, the joy, the prayers that my kids receive by being a part of a, a tribe you know, that's all leaning into the, the Lord's grace together. Well, let's, let's ask one more question. And this, I think, will be helpful for anyone and everyone listening today. 
for any who have had a complicated relationship with their father in view of the gospel, what hope can you offer to him or her? Let's go to Dave. Whew, we don't have enough time to, for me to unpack all that. My dad and mom got divorced when I was pretty young. This is back when that wasn't so common. Uh, I was pretty much estranged from him for years and years and years. Uh, so I've had a complicated relationship, and it did complicate and really gave me sort of a, a complex about whether or not I could even – I just didn't want to repeat for any other children what I had to go through, you know. Uh, but boy, by my mid twenties, I just, you know, as, as faith became something that was personal to me, as I placed my faith in Jesus, I'll, I'll never forget reading second Corinthians five seventeen, or really coming to understand that, you know, in Christ new, you know, you are a new creation that, that the old things are gone. The new things have come. And I just thought, man, God, that's the way it's going to have to be for me. I, I, I don't have a lot to draw on. I need new things. The stuff that I do have is just woefully terrible. And uh, you need to begin uh, this work uh, to, to really help me become who I need to become. And so when I think about it, I just think it's uh, uh, one of those things that I began to really own my own personal faith and development, investing in the scriptures, investing in the theology, investing in all these things that, that mattered in worship and prayer and becoming that person as, and I continue to become that as I raised our, our kids, and I, I hope. That was clearly evident to them. I think it was that, that that passion was not manufactured. It was just real. God has changed my life. He has transformed me from the inside out. And in that led to some discussions with my dad. And, uh, you know, over the years, by the time he was in his 80s, I think we finally really reconciled when he was about his 80s. And uh, we would see him some prior to that, but it is. I didn't really have a relationship, but by the time that he was uh, on his uh, uh, last few weeks on this earth, Debbie and I flew back out there. I, I led him to Jesus. We had moments together where, where, where it was really rich. And I just, I had to take ownership of my response to him and, and continue praying for him. I just had to. That's and that was only possible because God was, he continued every day to do that work. I couldn't have done it in my thirties. I don't think. Wow. All right, Frederick, how about you? I think I would say uh, to that person, no matter how poorly your father treated you or if he was physically or spiritually absent um, or, or even if you had a very, present and engaged father we've all been disappointed by our fathers at some point and we we as fathers or husbands have all disappointed those who needed us to be better at in those roles but the great thing about the gospel is that we have a heavenly father who's always willing to love us exactly as we are despite our repeated shortcomings that's good all right john I'd say that God can redeem all things, you know, every relationship and every person, including ourselves. Um, I guess, as, you know, Dave was just saying, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're all of us sinners. We're all called to be peacemakers and agents of redemption in the world. Uh, and we, and we need to 
realize, of course, that not all things will be healed or redeemed before Christ's return. Um, and we, and to that, we look forward to the new heavens, the new earth. Um, but right now, in the already, but not yet, right, in this kingdom that Christ has inaugurated, we do need to be faithful with what God has put before us, you know, and we need to trust in God's sovereignty and his goodness and his timing, um, you know, above all things, above ourselves. So, Yeah, I would just add to any been hurt by a dad that uh, as we preached on John 11 recently, Christ doesn't just offer us his life. He offers us his tears. Says he wept for Mary and for Martha. And he weeps for us because he loves us. So if you've been hurt by an earthly father, um, I just want to say God loves you. And he delights in you and he wants a relationship with you, no matter the cost. So with that, let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you um, for these men and sharing their stories and their hearts. We thank you for what you're doing even in the rooms we're sitting in right now. And we pray that you would uh, do a work in us as men and as women and as kids and students. Would you draw us close to you? May we know um, the delight and the love you have for us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, men, for sharing today. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you.